You are listening to the BU Podcast with Michael Arrington. We discuss social justice, childhood trauma, current events, hip-hop, and so much more. Now, here's your host, Michael Arrington. Yo, what's good? We're back to you podcast. Your man, Mike Arrington, in the place to be uh, with another episode. Today's guest is my man, Trek Life. He and I go way back, man. We from the L.A. underground scene uh, of the, the mid to late 90s. Um, we had a chance to kind of see some of like L.A.'s greatest talent, a burgeoning underground scene develop. Um, lucky enough to be a part of it. Lucky enough to be a part of this thing called L.A. History. So we're going to take you down memory lane with that. Get into some of that. Get into some social media follies and things of that nature, man. But today, what I wanted to kind of speak about in regards to that is something that I hardly ever really speak on. I really, I'm kind of humble to a fault is what I've been told, is that I never really speak on any kind of accolades that I've had musically. I, I I really don't know why I just I just I don't know why I don't really speak on it much, but um, I am a part of this L.A. underground history. Um, I was a part of a group uh, called the Western Hemisphere that's a part of L.A. underground history. Some of my work has been featured in a couple of documentaries and whatnot, and um, I feel like it's it's important to let people know kind of what I've been able to accomplish without it being like a humble brag. Like I said, I struggle with this. People who have, you know, who've been listening to the BU podcast have always mentioned that I should mention some of, you know, the things that I've accomplished in this music. And I do from time to time when I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's warranted. But, um, so yeah, just to give you kind of the long and short of my history, man. So I started rhyming, Probably in high school, I didn't see, I didn't take it serious until about late '93, early '94, and I was able to, you know, be friends with people who were kind of already making their name on the scene. Um, these people being Raz, Kaz, Voodoo, Mean Green, uh, Bird. These are, you know, Raz, Kaz, and Bird and I are from the same neighborhood. Bird, I knew. From, you know, T-ball and basketball, just playing, in, you know, in the neighborhood. Raz, I knew of. He was a lot older than I was. I knew of him because he was such a good dancer back in the days. And um, so it wasn't until I think I met him on the campus of El Camino College that we spoke. And, we, you know, I kind of rolled around with him. He introduced me to Voodoo. He introduced me to Mean Green while he was searching for his deal uh, he had an independent deal with a label called Patchwork, which was created by another mutual friend of ours named Bob Whitfield and Curtis Daniel from our neighborhood. And um, so I had a kind of a front row seat at what it looked like for independent artists in the early to mid 90s, man, where going to record labels, man, playing demos and meeting and greeting. And, you know, uh, some of those people turned out to be a who's who of, of the music business now. But I was just a young kid, man. What nineteen at the time? You know, I was low. I was low key the chauffeur, taking them to these different meetings and going to these different record shops and meeting these different producers and sitting in studio sessions and 
and uh, photo shoots and video shoots and merch interview, you know, merch meetings and all this type of stuff, man, passing out flyers and posters and stickers and so on, so on and so forth. So I had a front row seat of grassroots record label stuff. And then these, these, these dudes at the time were juggernauts, man. They were the, they were the who's who of LA underground around the time I started. And I was associated with them, even though I had my own crew in the beginning. And then once Razzcast left the Western Hemisphere, I kind of had a chance to kind of fill a slot, so to speak. But it was more by proxy than it was like intentional. It was like I was always with them. You know, I was kind of making my own name, you know, and my name just became synonymous with the Western Hemisphere thing. It didn't really become official till about the time I think Mean Green did his record. But up until that point, man, I was kind of, you know, in the, in the group by proxy. Um, I had my own group, like I said before, a group of MCs that were coming up that I that came up with me. And um, we're just trying to do it, man. Hit the wake up show on 92.3 to beat and later 103.3 to beat. And, you know, getting a freestyle in front of millions of people every Saturday. You know, I became, you know, a sort of a household name in the late mid to late 90s, man. And then um, I tried to get a record deal. Didn't work out too well. Then I ended up getting an independent deal um, and then, you know, came. It's been a long time coming, second coming and the rest to follow that. In that, though, I was probably one of the first underground artists to really get music on TV shows, uh, doing music licenses. I kind of fell into that by proxy. I got a couple of Super Bowl commercials, man. I've been able to be in a couple of motion pictures, soundtracks and scores and whatnot, man. And, um you know, I say all that just not to really brag, but just kind of give you some of some of the things that I've been able to do, man. I um, had music on the Oprah Winfrey show. I've had music on Keeping the Kardashians and Flavor of Love and all kind of VH1 shows, all kind of MTV shows. Um, I had music on Scandal and CSI uh, Miami, CSI Vegas, Law and Order once. Um, I've been able to, you know, have this kind of unknown career but i kind of you know my music is in a lot of different places that people wouldn't imagine and so so when you hear me talk about music and the music business on my show here's why like i've been in the business you know almost you know 30 years 14 albums to my credit you know a couple world tours under my belt you know debuted on billboard you know i've been able to have a pretty sustaining career so I kind of got a certain level of expertise when it comes to, especially when it comes to do DIY, you know, do it yourself kind of music and um, entrepreneurship. So, me and Trek kind of get into that a little bit. We, you know, we're gonna talk about the music business and hip hop fans and and all that type of stuff and social media and and you know, critics versus fanatics <laughs> and uh, things of that nature, man. But wanted to kind of share that. Kind of let you know what my musical background is for those who don't know. And holla at us, man. You know, if you got anything you want me to talk about, you can always email us. Hit us on, you know, social media and so on and so forth, man. I'm here. But we're going to get into my man, Trek Life. BU Podcast, Mike Arrington. Easy. You are listening to the BU Podcast with Michael Arrington. So what's good? We're back to BU Podcast, man. Your man, Mike Arrington. Yo, I got my man. We go way, way, way back, man. My man, yeah. Trek Life. 
man, I can't even remember when I met you, bro. It, it, it had to be at least 20 years ago. <laughs> at least. At least 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, we was, uh, this is before, like really before I started putting out any records, which is, yeah, which is over 20 years ago. Yeah. 94, 95, yeah, I'd say. Yeah. This is, yeah. Late after, right after high school type. Yeah. When everybody started exploring the world around them. You know what I'm saying? For sure, man. So yeah. <laughs> let the people know, man, who you are and what you do and where you from. Uh, yo, what up, world? My name is Trek Life. I am um, MC Extraordinary. I'm from the 626 area. Uh, at least I grew up half out here, half out there, half in South Central Los Angeles. Um, yeah, man, MC, father, um, black man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. The list goes on. You know, a bas- basketball uh, savant, if you will, or at least yeah, at we'll least get uh, into antagonist. <laughs> we'll definitely get into that. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, man, Um. <clears throat> So uh, tell me, man, like I, I ask this of everybody that I have on my show, man. Um, so when did you fall in love with hip hop? Oh, man. Um, so here's this is the ill part, because my brother and my sister were really like my introduction into hip hop. This is back. Uh, let's say let me say I was about nine years old. So let's say 83, 80, 82, 83. But uh, KDAY was pumping. Um, my brother was was into UTFO and and. You know, he was rhyming on the um that little hotline that you used to call into. Right, right, right. So yeah, that rhyme syndicate had put out. So um, I mean, I was just trying to be like my brother, man. Like I, you know, young kid right. with an older brother, just that's this is like early 80s to mid-80s. And um, my brother's 11 years older than me. So he went on to college, you know what I'm saying? So oh, my man. main connection to my brother was like just rhyming and and every record he was into, I was into. So right. you know, when NWA came up and Ice Cube came up, like I was into that, you know what right. I'm saying? And uh, eventually just sort of branched off into, into my own listening, you know what I'm saying? Kind of growing up, you know, Rap City and you know, Raps, all that type of stuff. But right. the, the origin of it all was really the KDA, early KDAY days and in, um, in, in the early 80s, my brother, you know what I'm saying? For sure, man. Like the, the 80s was a very, very dope era. Uh, you mean you about the same age, man. So I, I fell in love with it from the minute I heard um, – you know, Robert's Delight, but like, I think I really started getting really heavy into it around the time I heard Grandmaster, Fly, Grandmaster Flash Fury Five, The Message. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? yeah was absolutely. Just, he was so descriptive in the things he was saying. Like, I, I think that might have been the first time I heard a rap song where I can really see what he was saying. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So that's yeah. what got me into it, man. And I was heavy influence. I always been a lyric guy. Even, even the R&B stuff I grew up with, Isaac Hayes and you know, Donnie Hathaway's, those guys was, you know, lyrical. So yeah, that, yeah. that's what drew me into hip hop, man. So uh, let me ask you this, man, coming from the L.A. scene or whatever, man, give me your point of view of what that early 90s, mid 90s L.A. hip hop scene looked like. Is beautiful a perfect description? Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> I so. um I'm sure your listeners are, are all familiar with that era, but I'm going to speak as though they're unfamiliar. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, so the image at the time of, of every artist in hip hop was very much regional, right? A West Coast artist looked like N.W.A. An East Coast artist had a specific look. You know, uh, Ghetto Boys and any Southern artist had a, had a very specific look. Sure. Um, so that... I'll, I'll use the good life that's kind of my pinpoint right that was around the time that you started to i started to notice like wait a minute 
yo, wait a minute. These 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 people look like me. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like these are these are not necessary. Not, there's nothing against gangster rappers or, or anybody who was living the life spitting that. But but I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Right. So so finding a space started with the good life for me. Now I wasn't I wasn't I didn't jump on a mic at the good life. That's that's something that, that has been said in interviews that I've never ever I've never expressed that to anybody. Right. But they would write it like I I was I was no I was there I was a fan of it and um. And I think the imagery changed, like the image of a West Coast artist changed, right? You saw Souls of Mischief in 93, uh, the Far Side, Freestyle Fellowship, um, the the up and the rise of Good Life and then the rise of Project Blow. The the first of all, the look changed. But more importantly than the look, though, uh, is just the 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 run, the styles, right? right. Like this was a, a birth of so Jurassic Five. And their style, and of course, freestyle right. fellowship and their style, two thousand crows, and uh, their style coming up, and and you wouldn't jump in a cipher at that time if you weren't confident that you were unique right. on the West Coast. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying that uh, experiencing other ciphers at the time in the South and and in the East at that around the same age, right? Uh, you know, unique wasn't. I'm not dissing nobody else, but unique wasn't as far stretched as on the west coast like they you know right you understand what i'm saying like it was just like you couldn't be average no people would just you you may or may not get battled it wasn't like that entirely every time but you could you could go to delamo mall catch a freestyle people was rhyming you could go to west coast Arena mall yeah like you you in front of tower records any tower records in the city you could catch you could go to the record store catch a cypher you want uh let me see you on a bus stop yeah let me see you on a bus stop looking like you freestyle and i'm gonna come at you (laughs) almost anybody with a backpack on was like yo wait wait, what you what's up what you know know yeah (laughs) so i mean it was it was everywhere like and that was also the crazy thing that that I, I've only ever seen in one other place in my life. And that's the, what we're talking about, man. Like, yo, everywhere. Right. People were rhyming everywhere. It, it was the it was the the MC version of what breakdancing was in like 85, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever, 80, 80s when people were putting, you know, when they were putting cardboard out and you look around and like, yo, what, what are y'all doing right now? Like, right, right. We was riding bikes and now all of a sudden everybody's spinning on their back. Well, that right. was the early 90s for, for rhyming. You just, like you said at the bus stop or anywhere. So right. yeah, it was it was a time of um I know I'm being long-winded here, but it was a time of like you don't get times where creativity is just in the streets all the time, everywhere right. you look, and people are doing it. You know what I'm saying? If you right. were a, a painter, just imagine looking around every single day, no matter you where you went, and people were just painting. Right. Yeah, I, I liken it you to I liken that era to like the Harlem Renaissance. Like there were sure. so many burgeoning artists coming out at that time and crews, you know, from not even just just rhyming. Like it was like you had dancers, like you had, you know, you the Soul Brothers and, you know, those dudes or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. <clears throat> you, you know, uh, Def Jeff's folks and and, um, yeah, yeah. you know, Divine Stylist people. It was like you had all these different people that was this creative and they had these collectives. Right. And so so you had the dance scene and you had the graffiti scene and then you had the, the MC scene and it was burgeoning. And like I didn't even started I didn't even start rapping until 93. You know, right. what I'm saying? I was just a fan of just the, the whole thing. Now, I used to DJ and. But I wasn't somebody that was on the battle scene doing all that. I was just doing parties and 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 noon dances at middle schools, bro. So you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. So, but it was, but the scene was so 
it was so rich of just so much talent. And you mentioned a few names, the Dilated Peoples and Jurassic Fives and Freestyle Fellowships and 2000 Crows and and um, Born Our Lie. You had all these different people yeah, kind of yeah. coming up, uh, coming out at the same time. And it was it was like Haley's Comet, man. And you throw in the, the Wake Up Show and Friday Night Flavors and The Joint. And you had all these different spots, right? And the college radio yeah. was popping. So you had KUCR and KUCI and Riverside and San Bernardino. Yeah. So you had all these different spots. So it was so, it was such a, a movement. And even yeah. watching the 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 uh, where we you know where we're from, the um DJ Bonds and Breeze documentary yeah. that I was shout a part of, them. shout out to them. They didn't get to capture like most of that because they came a little bit later. Right, right. In, in the scene. But what people don't understand about L.A., those of us that are old enough, remember, like, L.A. was real, like, in the 80s, bro. It was real new wave, you know, electro funk. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. was at the beach. You was at Venice Beach or you was at, you know, the, the beaches on the, in the beach cities. And you was, you know, everybody had a boom box in the car. Everybody was trying to be like breaking. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it went from mm-hmm. that to Freestyle Fellowship, Good Life, Project Blow, you know, Water the Bush and Joshua was in yeah. all these different spots, man. And it was just like, it was such a rich time. And I wish that some of that stuff was really, really chronicled. You know what I'm saying? To, yeah. Because yeah. it, it, yeah. it, was, it was just a moment in time, man. And so we were fortunate enough to come up in that era, man. That's why I wanted to holler at you and see your perspective, man, because you one of the few people that I had on that's old enough to remember some of those things and kind of went through yeah. it with me. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, um, I mean, to, to add on to what you're saying, like, you, you mentioned just the, the style change, like the, the imagery change again, like Venice Beach, um, just kind of switching to, to a Ron, to an MC's image. Right. Right. Like automatically, everyone started looking like an MC. Right. Whatever that description was, wherever right. you got that description from. The style of dress, you if you went to Westchester High School where, you know, all of us from L.A., whatever part of L.A. you're from, Westchester, you know, kind of means something to you. Right. For right? Sure. Like when you were in high school, that's where the girls was at. So that's where the girls is at. And that's, where, that's where we had to beat in basketball. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> but, yo, the, just that imagery. Right. I think the, the crew, another level. I think a lot of them, right. they came from the Westchester area, but the, their whole imagery and style was just how people were looking. You know what I mean? Right, and right. That, to me, that's crazy just to think about it that way, because I remember I'm also old enough to remember when rappers wasn't cool. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And then all of a sudden I look around, man, and I'm like, man, I went through all this and now y'all get to be cool. What, what right. about me? You know what I'm saying? So exactly. It was it was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful time. That stuff they used to real. call cornball, everybody doing now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to mention that I mean, with you on here, we sh- we also definitely should mention like Western Hemisphere and the regional, regional aspect right. of things, right? Because again, initially everything was kind of centered around Los Angeles, particularly, especially as you went nationwide, right? You was right. either if you met somebody from out of town, you was Yo, you from Compton? It's like, nah, right. I'm not from Compton. Oh, you from like, you from LA? Nah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like everybody, everybody from LA County is from LA. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but 
people started coming up in Carson. People started coming up in West Covina, in Riverside, in, you know, right. various. I mean, it was MCs from your Belinda that was spitting. Like, he was like, wait. Right. Okay. Rolling Heights and Cerritos, Rolling Heights, right? Yeah. Exactly. I believe Rep Maddox and them is from Cerritos. Yeah. Yeah. Cerritos area. DJs from Cerritos and Carson right. area. Um, and that's something I think when, when the West Coast is discussed, particularly Carson and Cerritos and Long Beach are not given enough of that, that credit in the discussion. You know sure. what I'm saying? Carson, Cerritos, Long Beach, Pasadena. These are like incubated oh, for cities sure. for, for talent. You know what Pasadena saying? used to have the illest uh, college radio show with Mike Nardone. Yeah. Back in the day. Yes. So, yes. you know, and that yes. was like his, his spot was a spot you battled at after the show was over. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. saying? I remember where um, it was like, I think Freestyle Fellowship was there and Voodoo Me, Green Razzcaz was there. And it was like, you know, it was a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you get your yeah. swords out because it was a thing. Yeah, and you know what I'm I think that era, that era is not credited, or not that era, but there are individuals that are not discussed strongly enough, particularly, you know, of course, Western Hemisphere. But, but as you get, I mentioned, two thousand crows earlier, like CBE, right. like these are these are right. like kind of game changing. Yeah, these were game changers. Yeah, they, they was they were doing funky dialect. All them all them groups that was really kind of. You know, groundbreaking and innovative, and, and just yeah. styles and just different styles, man. So yep. since we since we kind of you kind of segue right perfectly to, I I noticed, man. You know, I follow you on Facebook, man, and your your posts be hilarious, man. <laughs> uh, a lot of the times, man, I I be wholeheartedly agreeing with a lot of your, your your viewpoints on different things, man. But I wanted to talk to you about hip hop fans in particular, right? Okay. There's a lot of like hip hop fans that might be the most fickle fan oh base God, of any genre of anything entertainment in, in, that I've ever seen, bro. I've never seen somebody so, some people so cynical, so fickle, but lazy at the same time. At the same and time. I don't really mean that disrespectfully, but then I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it deserves some disrespect. <laughs> yeah. Just because like it, it's, you can never please them. No. No, they're never happy. <laughs> no, I, I think hip hop fans for me have lost a couple of things. One, they've just lost the understanding that this is expression. Like, right. you know, what I'm saying like, first of all, this is art before it's commerce, before it's anything. As far as I'm talking very particularly about emceeing, of course, DJing, you know, b-boying and, and, um, and graph writing are all art art as well but my my particular craft is i'm seeing and i think a lot of people get lost in the commerce that i'm seeing and forget that it's art you know what i'm saying right. and i'm talking on one side or the other that's for people who are just automatically against a person once they become successful right. right or people who are automatically for a person only because they're successful both of them have forgotten that this is art you know what i mean and and we could discuss how right labels and and, right. and ultimately the you know uh, the commercializing of it but the fans, man, you never have to. Th- this is my thing, yo. <laughs> <laughs> you you never you never have to buy into any of that, right? You know what I mean? Especially when you our age, and those are the fans I'm normally talking to. Exactly, you know what I mean? Exactly what you like, talk about, bro. You old enough to know better. Like you, why are you playing this game? Like you old enough. You too right. old, bro. Too you know old. what I'm saying? You, so you, you know better. You know better. You and I know you know too. better. You know what I'm saying? Your your uncles and told you you way too damn old for this, right? So right. yeah, so you get your 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 um you know 
See, man, you're going to have me being cold-blooded on here. <laughs> you have your dudes who couldn't really get shine in their time, like, at all. You know what right. I mean? And, and now they're, they're critical or more critical than, than others. You have your people who are really believe that they're critical critics, but they're really more snobs than they For are sure. critics. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, and, they, and then they believe that they're like the gatekeepers of the art. And it's like, but you, you can't gatekeep art. It's not possible. You right. know what I mean? Right. It's, it's not possible. You could dislike art. Like you could dislike what an MC does or, or right. what anybody does. Right. But, but that doesn't automatically. And this was where I think our era kind of made this mistake was like, if you don't like it, it's not hip hop. Right, right. It's like, nah, be like, that's not how this works. That's not how this works at all. You don't like it. You don't like it. You don't like it. Yeah, it's still hip hop. You just don't like it. For years, for years, I didn't, I wasn't a fan. I still can't say that I'm a fan, Um, but I didn't like Lil Wayne, right? Right. But I didn't denounce it as garbage. It just, I didn't listen to it, so I didn't put any energy into it. You know what sure. I'm saying? So I didn't post anything about oh, you know, like everybody is mad at Drake because he made a house record, right? And I'm like, I was mad at Drake because I just want to hear you rhyme more. But <laughs> other than that, you know what I'm saying? Like you do you. I just don't. I don't turn it on. I just go listen to what I want to listen to. Listen to something you know else. Yeah. Turn it on to something else. But I think I had an argument with a with a guy. I'm not gonna name his name because I don't want any disrespect. But um, he was a fan of mine in my early career, and then as my career, you know went on he was like oh you change your style is more commercial now and like which i always found hilarious because i've never never been commercial you know what i'm saying right. i may make a song that may not be particularly sounding of an underground sound whatever that is but right. i had to tell him i was like i said dude i am an mc and so at the barest essence of who i am and what i do in this craft is move the crowd and this particular right. beat that i chose it moved the crowd. Whether you like it or not is really your problem, not mine. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. he got real offended at that take. But I was just like, I said, no, nah, you 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 can have it any way you want, but you can't dictate to me what hip hop expression that I manifest. Right. You don't either you like it or you don't. You know what I'm saying? But That's you don't have to. Don't I don't never feel that I, I feel like hip hop fans have the audacity to feel like they have to critique everything that comes out. Or control it. Or control it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't like a lot of records that come out, but I ain't got nothing to say about it. I just don't listen to it. it and and the, the audacity and the uh, the arrogance. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's one of the only art forms that I know of where the fans are either equally or more arrogant than the artist. Right. It's right. like, how are you? You know what I'm saying? Like, I not that artists should be arrogant, but it's always the other way around, right? Like, right. So the, the, now the times you meet fans is way more snobby than the dudes backstage. And they're like, oh, y'all think y'all cool because y'all backstage. And I'm like, dude, it's way more chill back there than it is out here a lot of times. You know right. what I'm saying? So, but I, I'll tell you one thing I've, I've never said before, but speaking of the mainstream thing, um, that was my biggest mistake as an artist, right? Like I, the uh, everything changed nothing record produced by odyssey his production and everything was excellent you know what i'm saying right. but at the time i was looking at talib Kweli, right how right. he could just skate that line so well of being able to be like oh that joint made the radio right but still right so i'm like with the everything changed nothing record i tried you know what i mean right. and that's why um i feel like you know some people may like the record some people may not but i feel like my performance on that record 
was lacking something because it was an F. There was some songs that there was a complete and total effort to right. get that crossover without crossover sound. I right? get you. I get you. But um, so now now when I make records, I'm, I'm much more cognizant of just being natural, being in the moment and being just concerned with what I have, what I feel and, and what I have to say. Right. right. I, I think the audience doesn't understand or, or removes, and this is not just in hip hop, but they remove the humanity from the individual, right? Like, like, right. like you as a person can't see and feel you're trying to succeed in an industry that is doing its best to, to mute your voice and your sound. Right. Right. Me and you know this very much so because there was a time when, when our sound or the sound that we loved was actually on the radio. Right. 93 till was on the radio. Electric relaxation was on the radio. Pass me by was on it. These are hit songs that was on the radio. Miss Fat Booty was on the radio, right? Like radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were, you were in the studio making songs that also could be projected to a larger audience than just, you know, a 200 room a 200 capacity room. Right. 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 Um, and I think the, the, the audience, the fans don't really understand the humanity in that moment. Right. Like, yo, right. I, I didn't, I'm talking 88. I'm talking early before 88, like rappers had gold chains and, and right. Mercedes, you know what I mean? Like, right, right, <laughs> like right. the 90s was fresh and we had that, that, that switching imagery, man. But, but shoot, I came up with folks had Dookie ropes and gold chains and they was right. making bread. Like now I'm looking at it like, nah, man, you got to keep it underground and be homeless. It's like, right. Yeah. That's the answer, you know what I mean? I always felt like, like hammer got a bad break. Cause he was the, he was the pioneer of where we at now. You yeah, know what I'm saying? But yeah, every, he was this for because he was first. You know right. what I'm saying? But everybody would love to get a British night sneaker deal right now or absolutely. a Pepsi deal right now. You know what I'm saying? And go to go on tour and sell out stadiums, right? And so yeah. for me, once I started to learn the record business, I kind of understood what it was about. What I got caught up in early in my career was trying to be something that I was not. And I struggled with it. And so but when I had record deals or I was affiliated with labels, I learned really quick that that's not who I am, but I'm an artist. So I can play your game. I just won't play that game under my name. So I'll right. ghostwrite for you forever. Or you need to write sure. for, you know, MC sure. Bubblelicious Fish Eyes. I got you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but I, can't, I can't personally use it for me. But mm -hmm. if you want me to write a song like that, and that's how I kind of got into the TV game. It was like, oh, I can make something. I don't, I can make his song sound like 50 Cent. I'm just not 50 Cent. You know what I'm right. saying? And so I'm a lot cheaper than he was. So the, the you know, people were like, oh, bet, let's do that. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. people were like, oh, like people don't know. There's a lot of money in doing hip hop covers. Yeah. Right. You know what yep. I'm saying? Like stores like Party City, they'll, they'll pay you cash money to, to do too legit to quit. Cause they don't want to pay hammer. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, I had, to, I had to take a couple of them gigs cause money was funny. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but what I learned is, is that as a, as a mature MC now, when more mature, I kind of understand like that was a good business move. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but when I was younger, 20, I'd have been like, man, I was a sucker move. Right. Yeah. Because it was well, because of the commerce of it. Sure. And I, that's the humanity, right? Right. Like that's, that's the humanity in, in, in a, in a, in a time where we're transitioning from teenagers to young adults to young men who, who have responsibilities, you know what I'm saying? And that transition can be seen and felt in your music and your decision making around your music. You exactly. I mean? And and especially when the when the when the seeds show up. 
when the kid sure. shows up, it's like, yo, yo let me, sign, let me slow this down, son. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait, you, did you say fifty dollars in drink tickets for this show? Nah, yeah, nah, I can't. We, it, it needs, to, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't. No, I can't even show up for that, right? So, in in the in the audience thinks that you, you know, a lot of the audience, a lot of the fans think that you that a, that an artist is whack for that, and I'm like, but see, come on, man, like, yo, it, it, it's 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 you again wanting to control the the complete the the personality the 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 heart and soul of an individual this right this is a person this isn't just your favorite right. rapper this is an actual person who's going to make decisions based on 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 um you know the resources accessible to them at the time right For sure um you would mention going in, of course going into television like doing a mcdonald's commercial uh right after the the, the next episode battle or whatever like my initial thing was like a mcdonald's commercial man like huh? for the rap right. for mcdonald's you know what i mean right and and then I got in there and was like, I, I probably want to do more of these. Actually, right. this is funding this, my ability to be this able is to a be real free. check. Right, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a real check. It's like a, a real legit. check, right? And then yeah. like, so you you um, and it's not until those moments where you like, oh, bro, I this is way easier than the other shit I've been trying to do. Oh, gosh, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I've been I've been trying world. too hard to yeah. to live up to an aesthetic that don't even really exist. When it when you really break it down to its bare essence, I posted yeah. something on Instagram a couple months ago. Is a picture of me at the hip hop camp uh, festival. It's like thirty thousand right. people. I'm in the crowd, right? And so, um, and so what my post was though the text in the post was, you know, everybody sees this and would love to have it. What they didn't see was that seventeen hour flight that I was running late for that I was stressed out that I wasn't going to make my connecting flight for that. Yeah. When I got there, they lost my luggage and all my merch was lost. So I'm only there for three days. Man. I didn't get my merch until the day I was leaving. So I missed yep. out on 10 grand of merch being bread. sold. Right. And yep. it was my son's birthday and we yep. postponed the party until I got back. You know yep. what I'm saying? And the stress of that and the stress of my wife having to watch two little kids under two, you know yes. what I'm saying? Like they don't know that part of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's what that's what took that energy to be on stage that day. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so people was yeah. like, damn, we never really looked at it like that. I'm like, yeah, you have no idea what it takes to put on a tour as an independent artist. This shit ain't easy. This shit's work. It's not. You know what and I'm saying? The, the next show after that, or the next two shows after that, is seven people there. Right. If you want a tour, right. So people. People, I mean, because we present that to be fair, people see the shows where everybody's in the crowd. Right. We we angle them pictures a little differently when it's only eight of them there. And trust me, on those tours, it's there's shows where it's eight people in that joint. You know what I'm saying? And it's an ego hit because across the street, like (laughs) right. We was on tour in Seattle. We went up to Seattle and uh oh man, what's homeboy's name, man? Calling out to all area crew, homie from uh from the Bay Area. Oh, I know who you so mean. That I can't remember how many names. Please forgive me, bro. I, I, you know, for all the all, all people, please forgive me, man. I, this is not coming to me right now, but he had a show across across the way for no, the night before hours. Man, it packed. Right. We hiked like, oh, we gonna kill it tomorrow, man. We had like seven. Right. Eight. Right. And it was an ego hit. Like, oh no, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to get into who we was rocking with because you know what I'm saying, who was right. the headliner, whatever, but. He was more affected than all of us. He's the headline, and, and right. his name had more weight. But, but people don't see that, yo. People right. don't see that. And and I know I'm saying the word ego hit, and I know there might be some pushback to ego, but but that's part of being an MC, yo. The ego is so. Like, yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 
that's it. That's what it is. You know what I mean? So like the so E and yeah. MC is for ego. It's got to be. You know what I'm gotta saying? Be. It's 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 a blow. And I remember those. You know, people don't understand that that part of it, right? Or like just like somebody hit me up recently, like, yeah, we want you to be on my album. And I was like, just I'm not in that headspace right now to even create what it is. I know you want. I know you want something from Michael Myers and I'm just not in that headspace right now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. respectfully, I'm going to have to decline, man. He was like, oh, you think I can use an acapella you had from like 2000? I was like, no, nah, absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. Like, if you can't find it on YouTube, you can't get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm just not there. I'm not going to give you something, some throwaway just so you can use my name. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not how this works for me. You know what I'm saying? And people sure, used to be sure. mad at me for years that I would I would turn people down. You know what I'm saying? Because I would always ask, like, okay, well, what are you trying to do with this? Because I don't want to have the freshest song on your hard drive that nobody ever heard. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to, you know, I want to see how much work you put into it and, and how you want to use my name, right? And so be all that, you whack for that. And I was like, well, I was was whack enough for you to offer me the, the opportunity. You know what right. I mean? So I don't, I don't get it. You know what I mean? So yeah. let me break into another question, man. Sure. You watch a lot of documentaries where, you know, artists are financially strapped um, and you would think the music being business being what it is, the people would be figuring it out by now. Mm-hmm. Right. But why do you think artists still struggle financially? <laughs> do you want me to say all artists or black artists? Because I have answers for both. I'll start with all artists. It's the industry is designed for the. uh the rich dude and his homies to profit off of your creativity and you get the, they get the lion's share, you get the small share. And the story that's told is that the outlets matter more than the artist, right? So the head of the, you know, the owner of the radio or, the, or now the group that owns the radio station, it used to be an actual individual or family group right, right. now. Now it's a conglomerate. Um, is, is tied into the owner of the record label, who's tied into the owner of the magazine, who's tied into the owner of the, you know, the uh, the television network. And now in this case, tied into the owner of the uh, the, the streaming service, you know what I'm saying? Right. And all of them have created an industry where the artist is the last person that genuinely matters. You know what I'm saying? So the right. answer, my answer is, 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 you know, rich people playing rich games. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's, that's really it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right now for black artists is a whole extra line to that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because the more you, the more you attempt to get to the other side of ownership, um, you know, unless you come in with that bag, you know, that right. getting to the other side is a whole other conversation. For it's sure. a whole other conversation. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get on that too much. Cause that wasn't the question you entirely asked me, but I, I feel like the ownership of our creativity is, is, way too small i mean i'm not saying nothing slick here it's just way too small and the reason is that's 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 the function of the industry right to find something uh that you can decorate and make profitable right um and then you 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 know two percent one percent right percent five percent the point two five percent to to the creator you know right yeah yeah i just think it's um and just kind of looking at how some of the people just aren't as financially savvy. I know they're real quick to take any deal that comes their way, which makes sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I understand like why people want to be so quick to um, 
you know, take whatever's coming at them, you know, take whatever bag they feel is coming, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a level of, of longevity that you want to keep in this biz Mm -hmm. that I I think is vital that people don't really, especially young artists, they don't see, they just kind of see the here and now and and they just kind of go from that, you know what I'm saying? But they don't ever really look at the whole total picture, you know what I'm saying? And I know for me, myself, early on, you know, I was looking at just getting a deal really quick and, and trying to, you know, make a record and move on. But uh, as I got older, you know, I'm start doing a couple of them things, start getting them, them Bud Light checks and the VH1 checks and start making more mm-hmm. sense to me. You know what I'm saying? To, to really yeah, yeah. look at financial longevity. So I see a lot of young cats now and they're eager to make money, but they don't really understand the value of it yet. And so it's really, really hard for them to really be financially stable, but they don't really have financial literacy in the first place. Sure. Well, I, I, there's two points to that I, I'd like to make. And one is I had a conversation with a young artist some years back. Uh, he was about 19. Um, he was asking me, you know, like, you know, should I take the deal? Should not take the deal? And I'm like, well, look, I, I couldn't, I'm not going to tell you, I don't know what stage your life you're in, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not fair for me to say, don't take that. It don't, I've seen it work multiple ways. I've seen the dude that took the five grand, or 10 grand deal. Then it worked out for him. In the end, you know, the record progressed and, and that artist progressed. And I've seen the person take the 10 grand deal and that's the last deal he ever got. So right. I don't really have an answer to that. It's, it's going to be based on how much you work and kind of how the lines break. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but what I did say was, how long do you plan to live? Just out of curiosity. Right. And he right. was like, he looked at, he, it's a crazy question, right? Right. I don't know, miss. Grandfather lived till he was 80. I'm, you got to make money from right now all the way till then. Right. Right. Keep that in mind. Like you're you you're if you take a deal that's gonna make you comfortable financially for the next three months. That's three months out of the next 60 years you need, you plan on living. 70 years you plan on living. Right. Every move you make has to be considered how you have to consider what the next step is and, For and, sure. and, and how you're going to progress. And that's a difficult lesson to learn. Um, yo, when you're financially stressed, right? Right. Like we said, it's the transition. We met in 94. I was a teenager, right? We met around 94, 93, right. 94. I was a teenager. Uh, talking again in 2005, man, like I was at a whole different stage. Of, right. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm like, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? My daughter was born 2007. That's a whole nother conversation. Somebody says, y'all give you 10 grand. I'm like, dude, 10 grand is like, I don't know, man. It's like diapers and formula at this point. Yeah, for sure. it's, it's not even really, really cutting the mustard. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think that that decision, especially if we go back and a lot of people like to talk down about the, the older artists who took the bum deals back when rap first started. And, right, and it wasn't no other listen. choice. There wasn't no other options, yo. There were very few other options and waiting did not work out for everyone. Right. And I think that's the story that needs to be told as well. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of things got to break right, Mike. Like, you know, you know the deal. Like everything, things got to really, really they break. Gotta go, they got to go your way. They got to go your way a lot of times. Right. And you got to You got to run into a group of people uh, on the business side of things that are that are adamant about your success. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 uh, and like even like some of the cats that I, I I've been fortunate enough to kind of help kind of monetize their career. And they had careers in the 80s. 
and they're still under contract from 85. Man. Because they Man, still owe true. a certain level of money, right? And so, and then, you know, getting it to certain lawyers are like, hey, dude, we got to find a way to get this dude out of his deal so he can get some level of monetization of his of his talent that was mm-hmm. for the world. Like, this dude was the blueprint for artists like myself. And it don't make no sense that I'm making more money than him. And he got a record that's played on the radio every day on the old school channel. You know what I'm saying? And so it's it's not, it's not necessarily fair. It's not prudent, but, but looking at the contract is like, yo, you had no other choice, bro. It was like, here, we're going to give you this 30 grand up front. We're going to put you on the radio. We'll put you on MTV. Deal with it. Deal with it. And, and 30 grand is a grip when you when you 18 years old. Right. You don't like it. The, the, the local car yeah. wash is hiring. Exactly. Because <laughs> those are the other. That's the other option. Right. Right. So, yeah, it, it's 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 the position that you're in. And, and for young black folks, I don't care if you grew up in the suburbs or not as a black as a black uh, artist. Those options don't. There's not a lot of trust funds. How about that? For sure. You know what I'm saying? You're not running into a lot. There are some some situations that work out like that, but there there aren't a lot of there's there's not a lot lot of generational wealth being passed down to have you comfortable enough to wait or or make those moves. I I use the Black Eyed Peas as an example all the time, kind of based on the entire conversation we've had to this point, right? Right. Fan base jumped on them. You know what I mean? When they when they when they cry. But I'm like, yo, what did y'all want them to do? Right. You know, some of y'all was was talking crazy. So y'all wanted them to just fail by your standards. Nah, they made a left and made bread. So now what? Now you don't have nothing. Now you're upset. Because you don't have the ownership. They didn't make it because of you. Because you You weren't the the reason why they made it. Exactly. Exactly. You want to be the decider, but you can't. You can't be that decider. So, you know, you got to learn to live with it. So yeah. So yeah, man. It just I I just I was why I don't know. I was watching something. I don't know documentary or something, and they were talking about all these artists to just you know consistently struggled over the years with bad contracts mm-hmm. and and so on and so i was the it was the new edition uh doc uh little movie little mini series uh, they did yeah and yeah, how they just yeah. got stuck in bad deal after bad deal um so i i just always find it you know fascinating not that i wasn't a victim of it myself either but just you know that i'm holy at the dial but um you would think you know I, I had a chance to get a record deal back when i was in my 20s so my priorities in my 20s are much different than my priorities at 47. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So that plays a lot into it. But I know Russell Simmons told me when I met him in 2004. I sat down with him. And he was just like, he was like, look, I think you're a phenomenal artist, bro, but I'll never sign you. And I was like, why? And he was like, it's because you're too smart. I know you read the contract and you'll come in here with red marks. And he's like, I can find somebody else for that. Yep. And he, but you don't need to be on my label. You could be me. You can start your own label. You can do it yourself. You don't need me. You know, and this was right yeah. at the turn of the, the 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 social media internet era. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, you know, this was 2004. So we was you talking MySpace, I think yeah. was 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 popping <laughs> then. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, but MySpace, I put together my first European tour through MySpace. That's how we got ours too. That's um, Odyssey. Shout out to Odyssey through right. MySpace. Yep. You dig? So um <clears throat> I think it's a as a way to to monetize that. And I think artists like Odyssey were were smart enough to kind of to be in the forefront of that and then continue that and, and create a, a a hell of a fan base from that. I think that's unique though. I think artists like yourself, um artists like Jay-Z, 
uh, although, you know, there was a lot of support with Jay-Z. Um, I think that's a unique thing for an artist to have the, to, to be able to play both sides, right? For sure. Um, I think the- some artists are, are very well, t- very much, you know, artists. Right. You know what I mean, and uh, and and it's almost unfair to ask them to do both. Man, it's so focused that that's right. what they, you know, what I'm saying. Um, so I think that's unique. You know what I mean? Right, I, right, right. I think I, that's unique. I think people like Jay Z, you know, are outliers. You know, what I'm yeah. not everybody. I, can, I think people like yourself, Odyssey, Jay Z. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't. It's it's. I can't tell you how difficult it is to to, to do both. You know, and yeah. I think I think to if I'm honest. I think my artistry suffered because of it. That was the next thing I was going to say. Your, your creativity suffers when you you have to do both. You know what I'm saying? Right. I and think you yeah, go ahead. And and what you consider when you make a record when you're doing both. Right. You know what I'm saying? As you're writing that song, you've been playing the business side of this for a while. Like you have to shake off the business and right. and, and not write in the direction of that when you've been playing both. Yeah. Like I'd like. For for album after album, man, I would I would have to just I would just write and record and see what worked before I yeah. can even put together an album. So I do like forty songs and pick seventeen, and then see how I can package that up and 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 then market that, and then go sell that on the road, right? Yeah. And so I yeah. had to I had to do it in separate phases. I had to to do the creative side without thinking about the marketing side of it. And then once mm-hmm. I got the songs recorded, which song fit to make this marketing package work to then take on the role to do what it is I do. So yes, yeah, but it's, it takes a, it requires a lot of, of energy. That's, yeah. and, it's, and it's misdirected energy. It's not the energy towards the record or towards the production or, or the art work or you know what i mean <laughs> or the yeah, manufacturing yeah, yeah. so some, something takes a hit at least in my perspective people like jay-z's has got they got enough money and people around them and make, make it work yeah, it makes yeah. more sense to them but i'm sure odyssey yeah. feels the same way oh absolutely i, th- I think um not to speak too much for his business but i think that's that's ultimately why um he took a, a deal right right a deal that that now but the only difference is by the time um and this is something i'm sure you would understand more than anybody by the time that deal showed up the conversation was different because of all the work he put in on his own right. you know what i mean so um that was the 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 conversation there and and a lot of like look at mers you know what i'm saying like right. mers is an excellent example at some point mers took a deal right and and then and then moved on and continued to parlay his own thing but um you know, I I think that again, I think that that's a unique thing, and I think that that's a that's a blessing to be able to work both sides, and and not suffer so much that you lose your art, right. or, or that your fan base is disconnected. Like, yo, what did he just put out? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Saying? Did he put out a whole record talking about contracts and and lingo? Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, um, right. I think that's unique. I think that's a blessing. I I also think that the the industry itself though, um, needs more people. And, and continues to need more people who who aren't so focused on being famous and more focused on the the business and the support right. of of the the art and artists that that are putting it out you know what i mean um, right i just i was my focus was always to be consistent and being good yes you know and if yeah. i became famous from a great <clears throat> that great. wasn't the goal though the goal was for it to be good cuz i started i had a conversation with tretch I think I was in Stockholm or something at some festival. And 
I was getting ready for the show and we were at Soundcheck or whatever. And I was like, man, I hate doing this song. And it was Wanna Be an MC, which is probably my most popular song or whatever. And Enjoy. so he was like, he was like, why? And I was like, man, it just, you know, it was, it, it was I didn't like it from the beginning, to be honest. It was something <laughs> I did for the label that they thought was a good idea. And it just, you know, it hit, you know. And so he's like, bro, you think I feel like doing OPP all the time, dog? But OPP gets the check cleared. Yeah. So, yep. you know what I'm saying? He's like, but he said, don't look at it as a as a, a nuisance. Look at it as an asset because right. you'll always have a song that people will always want to hear 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, they may not want to hear Hip Hop Parade, but they definitely want to hear OPP for sure. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. they may not want you yeah. know, so you could get off your other shit <laughs> with, <laughs> just so because one of being MC is on the bill. Right. And so I, I started right. looking at it differently that way. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start adding this more and more to my show. Because I, I used to yeah. cringe to have to do that that joint. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just because it just wasn't one of them my favorite joints. You know, and I think yeah. every artist has that that one song or those, those, those set of songs. They're like, eh, but the people like yeah. it. So I'm going to do it for the people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maintain, maintain Excellence is that song for me. Um, for sure. And, and that was, you know, that's the first record that came out. So it's like... I, right. I mean, you know, um, it, was a, it was the introduction to the game. So people know yeah. that's what they know you for. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard work and the B side was maintained. Excellent. So, um, yeah, that, there was never a point where I, that, I, just, I, I do this weird, you know, I don't know, man. I try to stay grounded as a as a level headed person, but also have this, you know, that cosmic rapper. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and, and I I, just, I connect um, songs to moments. Right. Like a. a uh, for me, you mentioned OPP like that. That takes me back to to a specific period in time in my life. Right. And if if I have a song, or if, if I'm blessed to have a song that does that for other people, then I want to I want right. to present that song. You know what I'm saying? I want that moment. Right. I want I had, and I had to look at it from moment, that perspective. You know like when when people hear that song, especially when I do that song in Europe, for people in Europe, yeah. that was my that was my introduction to them. Yeah. And so yeah. they were like, they, you know, when they, when that song, they hear that, dun, 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 they go bananas. Yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah. I have to just, I have to respect the fact that I have it good enough. Yeah. I have yeah. that privilege to, to, cause yeah, a lot of people will <laughs> never, never, ever, ever have that song. Ever get that, yeah. you'll get that opportunity. So for sure, yeah. man. Um, so really quick, bro, I wanted to get into, um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sports fan. With the yeah, truest the sense of the word, the fanatic. You see the Rams in the background, <laughs> um, but I'm a uh, I'm a diehard Laker fan. Like, there's right. nothing more important right. in sports than the Lakers, and Absolutely. we having a, we having a downtime right now. So I'm not gonna mention nothing about that. But <laughs> I do I do kind of come across your post in regards to um, sports and sports fans and people's take on mm-hmm. sports and so on and so forth. Man, um, first of all, where does that come from? And then two. Them shits is hilarious, B. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. Um, I, I obviously I, I don't like fans for some reason. I, I think most people would think that, but um, <laughs> no. Uh, during the Kobe Bryant era, when Shaq left, right. Um, I became uh, much more cognizant of the discussion around the sport, right? Than than just the sport, right? Like before that, I mean, look. We was we was around for the Magic and, and Kareem era, right? Where right. They, these men were discussed as the greatest human beings to ever walk the earth. 
know right. what I'm saying? You knew nothing of the the negatives that that went on in their lives. You knew nothing of of any there. It was all positive. And and also they were much more accessible. If you if you lived anywhere near uh, you know what I'm saying, certain, you know, parts of town or whatever. Right. Uh they were most they likely you ran into them. You ran into them, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I started to listen to how manipulative sports media was. Yes. And it, it started to bother me, right? Because I knew, and most people should know, that yo, they don't really know what they're saying they know. Like, they, they right. don't really know that. Because when they're wrong, they just pivot. Right. For example, just last week, Kyrie Irving was going to sign with the Lakers. It was it was almost a guarantee in so many people's eyes. Right? Like, just two days. Of, yeah, like he's going to take the minimum. This is crazy. You, you had you had immediate. I'm talking. I'm not just talking on some blog and meme sites. Right. I'm talking on ESPN and automatically bashing LeBron and look at him trying to put another super team together. How many stars do you need? It's like I'm sitting there going, that man's not going to turn down thirty seven million dollars. Right for six million to play in law, he's not going to do that. Right, I I knew that before. Everybody with a brain knew that. Right, but it was it was fanfare, sensationalism. Right, so then I started thinking, yo, why are y'all falling for this so much? You right. you know what I'm saying? And also, why is this discussion always around anything that black folks is good at? Like, why right. is it always right. turned into this clown show? You know what I mean? Like. I, at some point, it just started to piss me off. You know what I mean? Sure. So then I, I just start smashing people that believed in it. Like, I'm, I'm sick of this. Like you, you should know better, and you right. should see these narratives that are being drawn. And also, the more that these athletes are taking ownership for their communities and themselves, the more they're being, they're being beat down. And I don't think that that's disconnected at all. For sure. Like, I, I don't think that there's any disconnect in that. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, man, I th- I think that's where it started. It it it, it did. It's kind of like we talked about the business and the music side, like being right. seeing both, like how it kind of takes a hit. It, it did take. It, at one point, I had to step back a little bit because it started to take away from my enjoyment of of the game. Right. 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 Um, but but it's also just it's it's also an addition to like you're, you man. If you're a sports fan, like you recognize what these. I'm not a Rams fan, right? Right. But what Aaron Donald does, yo, not everybody can just do. For sure, it's not like <laughs> if you were the same size as him, you could do it. Right. Like this is this dude is putting so much work and skill. Like LeBron James, for example, Kevin Durant, all of the players that they're bashing right now. Right, you, know, you can't just wake up in the morning six foot nine and be them. Right, you know what I'm saying. So it's also like an appreciate. Like where where is the appreciation for what we're seeing? Right, I think you for me, I, mean? I think for me, man, I think around the time when. I want to say LeBron won his second ring with the heat mm-hmm. is when I started to feel what you felt. Right. Cause I had to realize why I disliked him so much. Right. 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 And so I had this conversation with a friend of mine who was a basketball net. And I was like, see, here's why I don't like LeBron. And this was, this was 2000, I don't know, 12 or whatever. And I was like, I don't like LeBron. Nothing to do with him personally, because I don't know the man. You know what I'm saying? As far as I knew back then, he was, you know, he's clean as a whistle. I said, what I didn't like about LeBron is that somebody who had hit the genetic lottery to be 6'9", 260, can run like a deer and jump like a gazelle, would never take his ass in the post 
<laughs> even when he had somebody small on him. If somebody right. who played basketball, who grew up watching basketball, yeah. that shit used to drive me batshit nuts. And that was Correct. where my hate from him started. But then it was the whole King James and Witness and all that type of stuff. That's immediately hype. before he had ever proved himself. Yeah, so all. the media yeah. hype used to drive me nuts. And so, but after he won that second ring and his performance in that finals, I was like, you know what? I'm going to respect this man. This man out there putting in work. This dude, is, he's exceptional, right? And in the mm-hmm. three, the, the four or five years he played against Golden State in the, in the finals and lost a couple, his numbers are insane. Absolutely. He was like 35, 9, and 10. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 and losing. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, <laughs> and so I was like, nah, this kid can play. But then I started like, I got caught up in the sensationalism of sports fans, right? And right. then he was also intruding on that Kobe territory. Exactly. Kobe was one of those people that I held sacred. You know what I'm saying? I watched that mm-hmm. kid grow up in my city. And I watched mm-hmm. this kid even on a regular random ass Tuesday night against the sorry ass Bucks. Watch this dude did some of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. the and then the GOAT conversation always bothered me. Yeah, I don't like that. Because I don't like because there's never a basis of the criteria. None right. whatsoever. Never, if, oh, is, he got six rings, so he's the greatest, right? So it's right. like that means Russell's rings were shit, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Or, but they, but, but people forget the the eight years he played when he couldn't get past the first and second round. Sure, they all miss. Well, so those don't yeah. count. Yeah. Like those. So he yeah. so, so he so, so to, to really he's six and eight. <laughs> you know what really, saying? and and that that's the that's the that's the part like. Six and eight with a big L on eight. Right. Right. Like magic is five and five, five and four, five and four. Right. But, yo, that's four finals appearances. Like we're not talking like bow out in the first round out. If we add all of those up, it's a whole other thing. Right. Right. But you got to think before five and 12, right? Before the age thing, he played 12 years. He went to the finals nine times and won five. Nine times. Nine out of 12 years. Five, five, one, five of them joints. So, um, the, I don't like the goat conversation because of how errors are now discussed. As though, um, all the prior errors to the ones that we were able to see or the ones we were nearest to, uh, they were playing against scrubs and they didn't matter. You know what right. I'm saying? But, but uh, my conversation about errors is is similar to my conversation about hip hop errors. They were creating from nothing, man. Boxing out wasn't even a term, right? You know what I'm saying? Look, a jump hook wasn't a thing, or the the the, the three point line wasn't a thing point, until you were three 10. point line didn't exist. But <laughs> I'm I'm right. The three point line didn't exist. You couldn't dunk in 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 a lot of these cases. But there was also like the actual fundamentals of the game were developed by these men, right? So to say, oh, that era doesn't count. It's like man, they had terms like. You know, loop de lie and all that stuff. Those were right. real legitimate terms because dudes were say, like, if I do it like this, then I, you know, some of the things didn't right. work and some of them did. But I'm talking actual positioning and boxing out, actual closeouts, actual, you know what I'm saying, seals, all of sealing a player in the in the post. All of these things were being developed during Will and Russell's era. Right. And they were, they were, they taught these strategies down the line. So you get to a shack. And he's benefiting from all of his, from these all lessons of, that were learned on the court. How right. do you take away from what Will and, and, and Russell did when they blueprinted the game? Exactly. You know what I mean? You, you can't. Or, you can't or take totally, that. You can't. It, you can't omit them from history because you can't. You, or you, can't. you try to dilute their 
image or their 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 stake in in what they created because the, that that error was just oh there was just those are all accountants and insurance salesmen. <laughs> right. It's, it's it's you you're 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 we all have this belief, man, that that it had to happen. Right. right? Like if 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 Kareem didn't do it, somebody else would have done it. Right. Totally excluding the fact that this greatness happened from this individual and it should be respected. Right. So if Bill Russell didn't do it, somebody else, who else would have done it? How right. are we guaranteed to have ever had that that type of thing happen or that person or uh, what that person accomplished was just a guaranteed accomplishment no matter what? That's right. not all the way. That's not true. That's, like Bill that's, Russell played 13 years and got 11 rings and one 11 rings. And I am. Listen, we are Lakers fans. So first of all, having this conversation is is difficult as is. But as just is. a respect for the athlete, man. Like I said, I'm looking at look watching the NFL playoffs. That's like, listen, you can't do what you can't do what Cooper Cup does. No. Just waking up in the morning. You you whether you you could let's say the word let's say uh you know uh I don't know Johnny Manziel or whatever right. like somebody who didn't do it. You still can't do that. <laughs> like right. it's still not easy. Right. So. I think that, I think we've gotten away from uh, what we had in the '80s, which was, was a respect for what we were seeing. Right. You know what I'm we didn't like Larry Bird, but we understood like, yo, what Larry Bird is doing is nice stuff. He's killing them. Yeah, like you, you, know you, you wouldn't take that away. Now you'll actually take away from what somebody is doing. It, they're doing it right in front of your face. They're doing it right sudden, now. Like all, this, all of a yeah. sudden, like there's this talk about okay, there's Jordan and there's LeBron and then now there's Curry. Like y'all took Larry Bird and Magic and, and Kobe off the list. We just yeah, we just threw Larry Bird in the trash. Like, he was like he never played the game. Like they act like Kobe didn't <laughs> exist. Like yeah, like like Kobe wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, and I I, I struggle with that because I'm like bro, like the dudes that are somebody now, he was their Jordan. Like how do you not? How you exclude him from the list? And yo, Kobe, what people don't remember, and if you weren't there, you don't know this, right? Kobe and the Lakers were supposed to be dead. It was supposed to be over. You know what I mean? Right. It, it was supposed to be over. Shaq left. And it was right. And that was it. We were never supposed to see another ring again. For, for him to go back and go to three different finals. And I don't care what y'all say about trades and Pau Gasol. Listen, that's still the, that don't guarantee nothing. We've seen nothing. we've seen we, alleged we had, better teams not we, not come we had Steve Nash and, and and Dwight Howard. You see what that got us. It's, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So that was the other thing, man. Like he was like from the ashes. Right. Kobe Bryant was. So that was that was the, that was why Laker fan, man, if you if you mentioned Kobe Bryant to a bunch of legitimate real Laker fans, man, like we like it's it's a tear because we were supposed to be gone. Right. That was supposed to be the end of the Lakers and, and, and his tenacity. And the, of course, the whole team's tenacity, front office, et cetera. But, you know, rose from the ashes to become a person that people revered and respected in the end. Right. And that that that's another thing. That's another story of an athlete that should be told in a better, better light. You know what I mean? Right, right. No, indeed, not, indeed. Right? And then unfortunately, he passed away before he could really tell it the way it should have been told. Absolutely. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? So, um, so yeah, man, I appreciate your time, fam. Um, I'm gonna ask you one more question, man, and let you get on sure. about the rest of your day. Um, so if you had a, a an opportunity to do a dream collaboration. Right. That's any producer, any MC, dead or alive. You making an album. Who would that? What would that production lineup look like? 
who so those it, features look like. It, it's a list of list of producers and list of features. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dead or alive. Dead or alive. All right. Um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm always gonna put Odyssey and uh, do Westlake on anything. Period. Uh, so they would be kind of first out the gate. But as far as, uh, of course, Dilla, I would love to have worked with Dilla, um, Madlib. Um, and there, there's one more that's coming to mind. Um, yeah, it would be like Marley Marl, you know what I'm saying? Or, or whatever, whatever right. that was, ha- whatever was happening around there. And then the, um, the LA, the LA Posse produced, um, LL's record, correct? Am I tripping off of that? Yep. I can't. Yeah, LA Posse record would be would be excellent. That production lineup. So that would be the producers. As far as the features, um, AC Lone, um, Most Deaf, uh, Black Thought. Although I'm I'm naming artists that I'm like, oh, man, I got to rap with these dudes. But yeah, of right, course, right. them. Um, and Phil Monch and Elza would be would be the off the top features that'd be dope that just, just that's just off top you know what i'm saying that'd be dope yeah, yeah i think i'd yeah. pick dilla for sure um pete rock and premiere just for for nostalgia's sake sure, sure um probably uh what's the name buck wild oh buck wild's nice yeah diamond d would probably be another one diamond d definitely um I would love Dre just for the LA aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh features would be similar, man. I, I I would love to do a joint Black Thought, Feral Monch. Um MOP would be somebody I would do a feature with that would probably be crazy. That's um, I probably would have Mad Lib too. Um but I think everybody else, man, I think it had to be somebody out of out of the ordinary, man, like a I would love to have worked with with Curtis Mayfield, or oh, word. okay, you know what I'm saying, or somebody like that, yeah. or or like a to to be in the studio with with Isaac Hayes would have been just dope. Yeah, right. Like I I had a chance to sit in the studio with with George Clinton, man, and them stories were just <laughs> hilariously brilliant. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. His his story, right there. the story of more bounce to the ounce and how that came about is one of the best stories I ever heard. So to give you the quick snapshot of it, uh, Roger was done with his album. They needed one more single. They didn't have a single. And so he was like, yo, won't you use this and played the drum track to more bounce than an ounce. And he was like, yeah, he hummed the the melody to boom, 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 boom. Say, yeah, just play that on your keyboard, man. You got a hit and left the studio. What? <laughs> and wow. so 11 minutes later you got one of the most sample songs ever and it was it came out of the brain of george clinton on the fly to help his homie out that's ill that's ill and i that's was crazy just, i sat in there man mouth to the floor like yo i can't even believe i just heard that first person from george clinton yo and i just left my backpack in the studio that night <laughs> and I went back the next day. I seen this dude sitting in there, like that look like George Clinton. And he just yeah. he was like, Hey, what's up, young fella? And he started talking, man. He was telling me all these stories and and about how he was he wanted to sue everybody. And 
how he was probably the greatest musical mind of his time. And he's, you know, he was better that's, than that's James Brown. True. And I was like, nah, you ain't got no arguments for me. I, I've heard your yeah. records. And so he was a, a definitely a savant man ahead of his time, man. But um, so I would, I would have loved to have done like a, what's the joint that um my man Seinfeld does for the comedians in car while drinking coffee is. Oh yeah yeah, like, yeah. 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 He'd be one of the dudes I'd get on my episode <laughs> just riding around town with that dude. Tell us. You would never stop best. driving, man. He, he would tell stories for hours, for hours, <laughs> you know, be, for, for hours. You'd be a humble by the time he was done. <laughs> right. No <laughs> doubt. But Trek, Yo, man, hold on. Last way I'd add uh, going outside of the line of hip hop. I'd add Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and, uh, and Donnie Hathaway. Just, just those two editions. Forgot yeah. about Donny. I don't know how to how to record, but yeah, I'd I'd love to have Donny Hath on on a, on the joint, not just the hook, but like some way of. Right now, he, blessing, he, you know he didn't get enough credit for his production skills. Not at all. Um, but yeah, but Trek man has been real man. I appreciate your time, brother. Uh, you keep doing what you do, man. Um, I can't wait to see you again in public, bro, and just Word and just up, chop man. it up like we used to, man. Back in the day, I've been a hermit for the last three years, but uh, <laughs> you know. One of these days, I'm going to get out, man. I'm going to see you, bro. I'm going to chop it up for sure. Yeah, man, man. Yeah, we definitely got to chop it up, man. You know, old times and, and, and stories from the past as well, man. And I appreciate you inviting me on. Yo, that's that's love. I apologize for being late, but I appreciate you. No, I saw it good, man. I got to get my man Kev in, in the building too, man. Rap Sucks Radio, man. We got to yeah, get Kev Sakota on. Or man. I get on your joint, whatever, man. I, it's been a minute. Kev, Kev was integral, man, for a couple of years of my career. I don't know if he really knows that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I leaned on him heavy without trying to make it, you know, be known. But I leaned on him heavy for a couple of years, though. So, he, dude, yeah. <laughs> he's he's a great, great dude, man. A, a mentor and a, and a great dude. And when we do uh, the Rap Sucks Radio podcast, like it's like chopping it up with the homie, y'all. You know, for, for sure. Hour, you know, what yeah, I'm saying I'm, for sure. I, I bet you guys got some rich stuff, man, and to really <laughs> push out there. But but man, it's good hearing from you, bro. Hope all is well, man. And I, I'll get with you soon, fam. For sure, man. Peace. Thank you so much, Mike. In a minute. Word up. You are listening to The BU Podcast with Michael Arrington. That's right. We're back. BU Podcast. Your man, Mike Arrington, man. I want to give a shout out to my man, Trek Life, for falling through. Had a really, really wholesome conversation, man. <laughs> I, 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 I think about some of the things we see on social media and how I chuckle, man, at, you know, I try to not really engage with foolishness on social media. I try to make it a point to not do that. It's just really too much energy exerted to, to things that aren't really that important. I'm kind of at a point in my life to where I don't have anything to prove. So me trying to let you know how smart I am or how invested in something I am is really not advantageous for me at this point in my life. Um, but every now and then, depending on the subject, I might get engaged, man, or I might even just engage just to kind of educate you so you don't sound stupid. But I really kind of do see like this really just contrast between where life was at the beginning of social media. Like I'm talking about MySpace and then even like Facebook in the beginning until where it's at now. And I really believe, man, people are really making social media like their own little pseudo platforms to get their ideologies across. I think we're all guilty of it, myself included. 
I think the only difference as far as like what I do is I just try to uplift people, man. I try to, you know, I go through daily struggles. I go through, you know, issues and whatnot. And I just kind of put it out there because I know if I'm going through it, it's probably somebody else going through it. So I put it out there to help people get through it or at least give them some context as to is as to what it is they're going through. But rarely do I put out political views or social justice views. I think you know me. You kind of know where I stand on things. But I'm not one to debate or grandstand the things that I do know. I think there's room for everybody to learn from everybody. But, I, you know, social media is kind of like you, you get into some of these comment sections sometimes and it's like the pond scum of society. And it gets a little it gets a little much. So I said that to say that just be mindful of the energy you put out there, man, even social media wise or whatnot. And then also, man, for those youngsters that are on social media, kind of just posting their business, man, just like just know that whatever you put on social media, man, it's written in pen. It's not written in pencil. So somebody will find it if it's too foolish for you. You know, eventually you're going to want somebody to give you a job. So um, be mindful of of. What you put out there may come back to haunt you, especially if you out there kind of putting out reckless stuff, even the lives and the Snapchats, like somebody will find it, screenshot it, do something, man. It happens every time. So just be careful. Be mindful. It's not that serious, man. People are not what they post. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have this great life. You know, we all struggle from day to day, but people only put the good stuff there. You know, so just be mindful of that, man. Nobody's perfect. It's nothing new under the sun. But take care of each other, man. Love each other, man. Uh, and if you don't, stay away from each other. <laughs> Plain and simple. It's really that easy. This your man, Mike Arrington, BU Podcast. Till next time, man. Peace. You are listening to the BU Podcast with Michael Arrington. 